disciples, if you love one another, love becomes the identity for the disciple of Jesus. They are people full of love and ready to give out that love. By this, the world shall know that you are my disciples. Let us pray. Lord, as I proclaim your word in the power of the Holy Spirit, may that same Spirit open our hearts to receive your holy word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in the last few days, on our television screen, we've been watching and we have seen that among our politicians, we have witnessed fallout at a national level, record levels of resignations, people who used to work together, play together, do things together, fell out with one another. Talking about fallouts, Years back, I remember watching the British documentary television series called Nightmare Neighbor Next Door. Have you watched it? Some of you have watched it. Not nice, but a lot of drama in it. I used to watch it. I don't watch it that much nowadays. But it says Nightmare Neighbor Next Door. I'm sure some of you have watched it. The documentary shows some of the most extreme cases of fallouts between neighbors all over this country. According to an online statistic, there are about six million complaints of nightmare neighbors across Britain every year. Six million. I hope you're not among that six million. It's good to talk about nightmare neighbor, but I ask myself the question, am I a nightmare neighbor? But I don't think I am because my neighbor next door, who is an elderly lady, when I play my African music in the back of the garden and I stop it, and Baba will go, Lansford, play it again. <laughs> well, I thought I was disturbing her. I thought I was making noise. And she said, no, play it again. <laughs> the same when I was in Hall as well with my neighbors there. When I play the music outside, they're all out in the garden listening to it. So another indication, I think, I haven't been a nightmare neighbor at all. But that documentary, that program reveals that not everyone is familiar with the concept of being neighborly. And so in today's message, I'm going to talk about being a good neighbor because it appears that the lawyer in our gospel passage read for us so beautifully by Nana that the lawyer in that passage also had a misunderstood definition and concept of who is a neighbor and what being neighborly is all about. In this very familiar parable in Luke chapter 10, from verse 25 to verse 37, Jesus gave a very valuable lesson on how to be a good neighbor, how to love even those people that are not our friends. In this gospel, Luke told us the story of a meeting where Jesus was speaking to some people and he was interrupted by a Jewish expert in the Old Testament law. He wanted to hear what Jesus had to say about the Old Testament law. Is that me? Yes. I think it's the queen trying to speak to me this morning. No, not really. 
Yes, so that's off now. Yes, he wanted to know what Jesus had to say about the Old Testament laws. But we get the impression here that this man was not seeking truth. He wanted to test Jesus' understanding of the law and involve him in some kind of a debate that he hoped to win. His motive was wrong. He was simply trying to catch Jesus out. In this encounter, the experts of the law ask, what is that one thing, that one thing that I must do to inherit eternal life? He wanted to know exactly what he needs to do to please God, what he needs to do to gain eternal life. To be honest, I'm like that at times. Yeah, I like the cut-down version of things. I like the bullet points. I like the straightforward, get to the points, Jesus. Tell me that one thing. There are so many laws, over 365. Tell me that one thing that I need to know that will help me to gain eternal life. To be honest, as I said, some of us are like that. We just want to know that one thing that will fix all our worries. That one thing that will fix all our anxieties. That one thing that will fix all our fear. We want to know that one thing, that one exercise that I can do that will take away all this extra weight that I'm carrying. If you know that exercise, please talk to me after the service. I'm dying to do it because I want to lose all this tummy. I look at it in the mirror in the morning and I say, what is this? When I was in Africa, I didn't have all of that, but here all the burgers and all that shepherd's pie. I never used to like it, but now I can't get off shepherd's pie. It's amazing. We want to know that, that magic exercise that will take off all these weights, that magic medication that will fix all our aches and pains. We just want to know that one thing. So teacher, tell me. What is that one thing that I must do to gain eternal life? It is a great question. A question that you and I must ask ourselves daily. Daily. You wake up in the morning and ask yourself that question. It's a wonderful question. Where would I spend eternity? How would I spend eternity? What must I do to spend eternity with my creator? You are not the first one asking yourself that question because even in the days of Jesus, a lawyer wanted to know the answer to that. And so it's a legitimate question. It's an important question you and I must ask ourselves daily. What must I do to gain eternal life? Life has no guarantees we're here today, but we won't be here forever. The world is not our home, according to our wonderful brother Jim Reeves. He said, the world is not our home. We are just passing through. So what shall it profit a man? What shall it profit a woman if we gain the whole world and lose his or our soul? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So the question is an important one. One that you and I must ponder about what we must do to spend eternity with our living God. However, 
knowing his attention, Jesus boomeranged the question. He threw the question back to the lawyer. He said, you are the lawyer. You tell me what is written. How do you read it? He answered Jesus, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well done, Jesus said to him. You've answered correctly. So do this, and you will leave. Go and do it, and then you will leave. In his book titled, A Guide to the Parable, John Hargreaves said, We do not know the truth until we do it. We do not know the truth until we live by it. We do not know the truth until we act upon it. It is not enough to know it. It is not enough to memorize it. It is not enough to quote it. Jesus said, do it, and you will leave. This reply from Jesus is for us as well this morning. It's for us as well this afternoon. Do it, and you will leave. That reply is for us to continue to be faithful to God and not to let the shiny things of this world sway us or drift us away from God. We are to love God with all our heart. It is part of the requirement to spend eternity with God. But then, as lawyers always do, I know a little bit about lawyers because I watch a TV program called Judge Judy on television. Do you watch it? I love that lady. She's a no-nonsense lady. But one thing is expert about her, she asked follow-up question. The lawyer came up with a follow-up question, and she will ask you and ask you and ask you until you trip yourself. And then she gets you. And that's what this lawyer wanted to do here. He came up with a follow-up question. Who exactly is my neighbor? Or perhaps, who is not my neighbor? Who am I allowed to ignore? Here, who am I allowed to neglect? Who am I allowed even to hate? Just so I know who to include in the exclusion list. Who is my neighbor, Jesus? Tell me. Give me a list to answer this question. Jesus replied with a parable. It is called the parable of the Good Samaritan. One of the most famous stories of the Bible. One of the most famous stories of our time. It is a parable that erased the boundaries on the concept of what being neighborly is all about. It is a parable that moves and extends the fence so wide that no one is excluded in the kingdom of God. It is a parable that brought you and me into the sacred grounds of God's kingdom once we were out, once we were lost, once we were excluded. But this parable brought you and I, Gentiles, into God's kingdom. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whosoever believes in him, meaning no one is excluded in the kingdom. In a world where lines and barriers and, bar and, and, and uh, borders and fences of exclusion are rising up, Jesus told this parable that demolishes the fence of exclusion that was in the lawyer's mind. For those of you who were in, uh, in that evening when Dr. Martin Atkin came here for his farewell service, in the evening service he preached and in his sermon he told this story of a lay pastor 
who had served a small Methodist community in Eastern Europe for many, many years. This pastor's labored, he's toiled, he's worked very hard, he was cherished by his congregation, and then the minister suddenly dies. But because he was not of Roman Catholic tradition, canonical law forbids him from being buried in a Roman Catholic cemetery, which was the only, the only consecrated burial ground in the area. So the small congregation took their beloved minister. They buried the minister just outside the fence of the consecrated burial ground. There they laid him. There they laid him to rest. They prayed and they left. And in that story by Dr. Martin Atkins, a few days after, for some undisclosed reasons, the fence that was here was moved all the way there that where that minister was, his grave became part of the consecrated ground because the fence has been moved. Somebody say hallelujah to that story. What a wonderful and amazing story told by Dr. Atkins. Friends, the prevenient grace of God is an extension of that fence that has brought you and I on consecrated ground. We are in. We are all in. In this parable, Jesus is going to painfully move uh, the fence of exclusion that the lawyer has erected in his mind, uh, and probably he was advocating in society. Jesus was going to move it. There is a sense that what the lawyer wanted was for Jesus to come up with a list of people that are to be excluded in the kingdom, the drunkards, the prostitutes, people of color, Samaritans, Gentiles, people of different faiths. But to his surprise, Jesus told this amazing story about a man who was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, that he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him, beat him. They went away leaving him half dead. And by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he looked the other way. When he saw him, he went the other way. Have you ever been in a shop and you see somebody that you don't want to see? What do you do? You pretend as if you're on the phone. <laughs> you look the other way. <laughs> when the priest saw him, he looked the other way. But not just the priest. Jesus went on in the story and said, so likewise a Levite who was an assistant in the church, I think he was a deputy superintendent. He was a deputy to the superintendent. When the Levite saw him as well, what did he do? He looked the other way. He went the other way. And then Jesus used that word that I always love to see when I'm reading the Bible. But a Samaritan, when he saw him, he took pity on him. He bandaged his wounds. He put him on his donkey. And he took him to an inn and paid all his expenses. Hallelujah to that. But now in the minds of those Jewish listeners who, was listening, who were listening to Jesus, they would have been thinking, where is he going with this story? Because, you see, there was a tension, a dispute between these two groups, and they despised each other. Yet it was a Samaritan who would help the Jew that needed help. And after that beautiful story, Jesus turned around to the lawyer and asked a direct question of these three. Who is this man's neighbor? 
he rightly answered, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, go. Go and do likewise. Go and be a good neighbor. Friends, the reply that Jesus gave to the lawyer, that reply applies to us as well. It applies to all of us who ponder on that question on what must I do to please God? What must I do to spend eternity with God? Friends, if you miss everything in this life, don't miss eternity with God. And so that question is legitimate. What must I do? And we've heard from Jesus this morning that being a good, loving, caring neighbor is a requirement to inherit eternal life. And the good news is that we can all meet these requirements to love God with all our heart and our neighbors by being the present-day good Samaritans. We can all meet those requirements. Like the good Samaritan in this parable, present-day good Samaritans are the people who are sensitive, the people who will not look the other way, the people who will not pretend that they don't see you suffering, the people who will not pretend that they don't see and know what you're going through. The people who will face you and talk to you and help you go through that difficult time. The people who will be sensitive enough to put their arms around you and journey with you and stand with you and go on with you an extra mile. Not the people who will look the other way. Good Samaritans, present day good Samaritans are people who are observant. They're people who are vigilant to look out for one another. They are the people who will take pity on the needy. And respond. Present-day Good Samaritan are people who are selfless. People who are willing to invest time. They're willing to be inconvenienced in helping other people. These are people who are willing to get off their horses and get their hands dirty to make sure other people feel better. Good neighbors are people who are willing to invest even their own resources. The Samaritan helped the Jew and then he paid for it. Present-day Good Samaritan are people who will apply the golden rule to do to other people what you want them to do to you. If you want to be respected, respect that man that is different from you. Respect that woman that is different for you. He might speak a little bit funny. His accent might be something you don't understand. His looks might be something that you can always just underrate. Yes, we have all the good reason for us uh, to look down on people. But the good Samaritan, present-day good Samaritans, these are people who would do to other people just what they want themselves. And if we all leave this place with those qualities, a better world is out there waiting for us. Present-day good Samaritans people who would do to others what they want them to do to them. The golden rule. As I finished this sermon, I mentioned earlier on, in the last few weeks and days, we have witnessed fallouts at a national level. But in all of this, let us ponder. Let us ponder on the words of the outgoing British Prime Minister when he said in his resignation speech, I quote, even though it seems dark now, 
our future together is golden. The word together caught my attention in that speech. In this parable, Jesus erased the boundaries, the boundaries of exclusion. It is a message of togetherness. There is no Jew, no Gentile, no black, no white. In Christ, you are my brother. In Christ, you are my sister. To take me by the hand. So take me by the hand. So raise me by the hand. So help me up by the hand. Because you are my brother. You are my sister. When we look out for each other, together we will flourish. When we look out for each other, together we will blossom. When we look out for each other, together we will become the strong global Christian family that God intends us to be. This morning, the charge for us from our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the greatest good Samaritan, is to go and be part of the generation of present-day good Samaritans who will serve this present age, the charge for us to keep is to go and be a good neighbor. I pray that in total obedience, we will go and do just that. In Jesus' name, amen. We stand to sing together, a charge to keep I have. I do have a God to glorify. Let's stand and sing together.